Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Today we're going to be talking about grace, particularly grace for Lent. Uh, Lent is a great time for growing closer to God. It's a good time for renewing our relationship with Christ, for doing good works, and for overcoming obstacles in our spiritual life. So this series, we're going to have a little mini-series entitled Grace for Lent, and it's particularly relevant for the season of Lent, but it's also highly relevant all year long. And here's the point. There's a serious danger anytime when we try to do good work and practice our faith without grace, without grace forefront in our minds, in our hearts, and energizing our spiritual life. And the danger, especially I think during Lent, is what I call the near miss. Let's just say you were shooting a rocket to the moon, and you were just not way off course, but just a near miss, just one degree off in, in your moon shot, and you would end up with, according to computations on Google, 4,169-mile miss of the moon, just one degree. And the more you go on with one degree off, let's say the rocket you wanted to shoot to the sun, well, you would miss the sun by 1.6 million miles. So what seems to be a near miss could be something that takes you totally off course to a destination you had no intention to going to. And all of us are called to do good works. We're especially called to do good works during the season of Lent, but all year long. During Lent, we're called to war against sin in our lives, to draw closer to God, but how we do that can land us literally in either heaven or hell. In other words, getting this one wrong could end up in an internal disaster. I, I have had a change of mind on this, actually. Not a change, but a development. I used to think that if you missed grace, it was just a big mistake, a huge mistake, but I've come to see it's more than a huge mistake. It can actually lead to a literal spiritual catastrophe in the midst of doing good things. So let's talk about grace. Um, I'd say there's three maxims, and you might want to keep these in mind for Lent. Two are scriptures and one's a quote from the great St. Augustine. But let's start with 1 Corinthians 15.10. And if you're looking for something to do during Lent to keep grace first and foremost, you might turn to your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 15.10, and write out a little note card. Uh, put it on your dash. Uh, glue it to the back of your smartphone. Um, put it on your bathroom mirror. But 1 Corinthians 15.10 is the identity of St. Paul and what his life was basically, how it worked as a Christian. And I'm not talking about a notion. I would imagine everyone who's hearing my voice 
has an intellectual abstract notion of what grace is. That's not what I'm talking about. Grace needs to be your identity. And from your identity, you begin to do good works. If you do good works without grace as your fundamental identity, you miss the moon and you miss the sun even by millions of miles. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15.10 reads like this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, St. Paul says, what I am, what I'm capable of doing, the good I'm capable of doing, and he did incredible good. It's by the grace of God, I am what I am. But then he goes on and says, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Now, sometimes some, not all, but some of our Protestant friends think that salvation is by grace, and that's absolutely and utterly true. They deduct from that, well, therefore, we don't do good works. That's not true. We are called to do good works. So St. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, but I'm not in my... uh, theological easy chair, not doing anything as a result of being saved by the grace of God. You know, I work harder than any of them. And then he goes, though it was not I, and that I in Greek just kind of jumps out at you. It's the ego. It's the ego. It's the self. It's not self-generated. It was not I, but it was the grace of God which is in me that causes him to have the zeal and the power and the desire to do the good work. It did not start within himself. St. Augustine said this in a section of the Catechism, uh, talking about grace. They quote St. Augustine saying, Indeed, we also work, but we are only collaborating with God who works for his mercy. He has long gone before us, for without him, we can do nothing. And that last phrase in St. Augustine's quote, for without him we can do nothing, is an exceedingly important part of a verse from John 15. And I'm going to read that. I've said 1 Corinthians 15, the St. Augustine quote, and now John 15. I'm reading from verses 1 and 2 and 4 and 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me tell you how important I felt this verse was from John 15 that St. Augustine cited, and uh, it was kind of my marching order, so to speak. As a Protestant minister, I was uh, a church planter. I started a new congregation, 
And as a new congregation in the Presbyterian Church, you go through a probationary period, you get yourself settled, you get church officers and such, and then you have kind of a formal chartering of your congregation. And during that time, as, as the founding minister, I would give a sermon with, so to speak, the blueprint, the important message that I was trying to convey to my congregation. And my text was John 15 that I just read to you. And that important part, that last part that St. Augustine highlighted as well, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And it is so deceptive because we hear over and over and over and over and over again, hey, it's Lent, it's time to do something. So people get out and start doing something. But St. Paul was so careful to say, I worked harder than any of them, but yet not I. It was the grace of God in me. And you might say, well, that's just a good Protestant verse. And I would say, no, because I have a very hard time sometimes as a Catholic hearing this read and not put in context. Um, any of you who've heard me do Bible teaching, I keep saying, you know, context is so important with what something means, and a, con uh, a text, a verse without a context can become a pretext. And when Jesus was speaking, I'm the vine and you're the branches, if you're going to bear fruit, fruit is the good works you're seeking to do during Lent and all year long, but apart from me, you can do nothing. These words were uttered by Jesus Christ in the upper room as he was instituting the Eucharist. That is the context for John 15, actually 14, 15, 16, and add on chapter 13 of, of St. John's Gospel. Everything in these verses have to do. And the head of St. John who recorded this was on the heart, literally resting on the heart of the Son of God. And in my mind, while Jesus was holding up the chalice for the very first Eucharist. So the idea is, it's not the little train that could, I can't, I can't, I can't, I think I can't, I can't, I can't. No. And so much of Lent, what are you going to do? What I'm going to do is whatever I'm able to do by the grace of God, the Christian life isn't me cooking up steam to do nice religious stuff. The Christian life is Christ living in me, giving me the kind of the notion, the inspiration, desire to do good things, gives me the power to do good things. And then according to his grace, I don't know why he does this since he's basically responsible for so much of it, but he rewards us for doing those things. But in the Eucharist, you know, um, and in fact, we shouldn't have anything resemble kind of like a graduation seminary, a, a seminary, uh, a graduation ceremony uh, relating to like first communion, because it would be like we're having first communion today for all those who flunked out of catechism class. You don't deserve this. You all failed, but because Jesus Christ is gracious, and he realizes that apart from him, you can do nothing. We are going to give you the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ today in the Mass. Do you get what I'm saying? Thinking that you somehow earn the Eucharist so you can go around and do stuff. No, you abide. Branches aren't 
going, oh, I, I got to really do this stuff. Oh, it's, you know, I really got to try hard. No, it's abiding. It's getting life. It's getting strength. And then it works harder than anybody else because of the grace of God. Now, if hear me on this, because I used to think this is just a bad idea. You were off course. I really didn't comprehend in my mind that being off course as a Christian and trying to live the Christian life, I'm talking about really trying to live the Christian life apart from the grace of God, you will miss heaven. And that's pretty strong stuff. But this is why this isn't just like a nice topic. And, you know, honestly, I'm amazed that so much of Catholic radio is devoted to all kinds of subjects. And yet this is this is the the ultimate questions, you know, how can I have a relation with Christ that leads to eternal life? That's, I don't see how it gets any more important to that. And my change of thought on this, in other words, it's not just a bad idea. This is going to end you ending up as a Christian, trying your hardest, apart from the grace of God, you will miss heaven. That's what I'm saying, okay? Be very clear. And I'll tell you why this arose. I just went to St. Paul's epistle to the Galatians. And Galatians, in case you haven't noticed, is kind of like the nuclear epistle in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, you know, he's talking about, you know, think of others better than yourselves. Husbands and wives love each other and, you know, be at peace with yourself and everything, you know, pretty chill, really. And then in Galatians is kind of like, whoa, what? You know, what gets, what gets him so riled up? So I went through, and, and I, this, is, this was not hard to do. I just took a pen and paper and listed the things that St. Paul said would happen in the Christian life apart from living with the consciousness, the primacy, and your identity as by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, if you divorced grace from your Christian life, and these were new Catholics in Galatia who started out great, but they had turned, and this is these are the 10 things. When I saw these 10 things listed, this is not even a near miss. This is a total miss of Christ and Christianity, even though you are doing works that aren't good works because they're generated by the selfish steam. But let me give you the list. Number one, this is right out of the Bible. By altering religion from a primary trust in Christ to a primary trust in themselves, number one, you're deserting Christ. Deserting Christ. You can be deserting Christ this Lent, doing the good things you should be doing by the grace of God, but trying to do them on your own steam, deserting Christ. Number two, turning to a different gospel. Now, you might say, I would give my life to preserve the truth of the gospel, and yet, subtly, you realize that the Christian life isn't like you know, saying I'm saved by grace and then forgetting good works. No, it's turning to a different gospel. It's trying to do the good things, but apart from grace. Number three, it's perverting the gospel of Christ. Number four, 
You are not justified before God. And if we're not justified, that means we're guilty in our sins. Not justified before God. Do you realize how serious this is? Number five, nullifying the grace of God. In other words, even well-intended uh, catechist or youth minister, deacon, priest, radio commentator like myself, you know, encouraging people to do good things without reminding them how they do, do good things and what makes them a Christian in the first place, they can nullify the power of grace because this, this is oil and water. It doesn't mix well, and that's why Mr. Chill St. Paul goes nuclear in Galatians because of this was going on. Number six, you think, well, Steve, this, this really isn't a big deal, is it? Well, St. Paul says in Galatians 3.11, if you're under your own steam, you are under a curse. That's serious. Number seven, you're under a yoke of spiritual slavery. Number eight, listen, you are severed from Christ. To be severed from Christ is to be lost. Number nine, you are fallen from grace. And then number 10, you are prone to engage in works, but not good works. You end up, even though you intend to do good, you engage in the works of the flesh, things like fornication, impurity, strife, jealousy, anger, drunkenness. That's Galatians 6. These were not hard to find. I just took a pencil and went through Galatians from chapter 1 to chapter 6, little chapters, 10 things that speak of a total disaster, a total separation, coming under a curse from God, severed from Christ, uh, fallen from grace, Ay, 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 this is a primary trust in yourself for trying to live the Christian life and getting right with God is an unmitigated spiritual disaster. And yet during Lent, a lot of people, oh, oh it's time to get up and go and not realize how, how, yeah, what's the gas in our tank? Where's our fuel coming from? Now, listen, the gospel of the pious self doing self-generated works, often has God in the equation, but he is in first. He is in primary. He isn't your identity. It's doing your own thing. Now, just to be very blunt, I encountered uh, Catholics because I was a youth pastor, particularly in a situation where we had a lot of people in our community coming through, not just uh, those in our community, and uh, had an opportunity to interact with people from all kinds of religious backgrounds, including a fair number of Catholics. And in over 20 years of both uh, lay youth ministry and ordained ministry and ministry as a pastor, I did not encounter in 20 years one single Catholic who could articulate that salvation comes from the grace of God. They thought it was what they did. They did. Without saying anything like Paul says, well, it's by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace is not in vain. It gives me the energy. It's by abiding in him. By 
abiding in the Eucharist is where we get our strength. It's from outside ourselves, not inside ourselves. Never met a single person. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life example, and we're going to deal with this a little later on in our Grace for Lent series. But I'm going to give you an example how not to do a good work, especially during Lent, because we try to do good works during Lent. Let's talk about pornography for a second, because number one, it's the elephant in both Protestant and Catholic sanctuaries. It's it's one of the most uh, extensive, serious, life-damaging, mortal sins to invade Christian churches that I can think of, period. It's most extensive problem. And on top of it, pornography, once it develops into a habit or an addiction, it's almost impossible to shake. So here's what is being recommended, particularly for Lent, if you have a pornography addiction. It's what I call pious denials and all kinds of self-abasement, some very extreme, striving for freedom, you know, extensive holy hours. I'm not saying holy hours are bad. Those are good. I mean, you you know, you could get somebody off the street and go sit in the sanctuary for an hour. I mean, that's not making a holy hour. That's communing with Christ and asking him to fill you with his life so that you can do good. But extensive prayers, cold showers, rigorous fasts. Um, I even found a, uh, a website yesterday, Catholic Striving for Holiness. Now, don't get me wrong. It is actually a biblical command to strive for holiness. But if you tell someone like the average Catholic who isn't primarily motivated and forefront in their mind about the grace of God, if you tell someone like that to strive for holiness, you are getting them a near miss in time and eternity. You are threatening their soul. This is serious. And a lot of people with very good intention are doing this. Let me read to you a couple of verses from Colossians chapter 2. Again, St. Paul. He starts off with chapter 2 and verse 18. Let no one disqualify you insisting on self-abasement. Think of this. Ego abasement. Self-generated abasement. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together grows with a growth that is from God. You know, this bears repeating a thousand times because our minds, apart from Scripture renewing our minds, have this switch that reverts back to, I'm going to grow as a Christian because of the stuff I do versus recognizing that any growth that I'm capable of doing as a Christian is a growth that comes from God. St. Paul goes on to say, why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, referring to things which all perished according to human precepts and doctrines. And now verse 23, and this is particularly why telling people just to do good works during Lent and not emphasizing the grace of God ends up in 
in such a mess, particularly for those who are embroiled in sexual addictions. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 23. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. I'm going to read that a second time. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor and devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Why? Self-willpower that tries to deny bodily desires arouses them. The opposite happens. That's why St. Paul, my last in the 10 list from Galatians, the works of the flesh come from trying to do it yourself. The very things you're trying to repress through self-effort explode, and you hurt people by this. Here's a couple of translations saying the same thing, Colossians 1.23, but a little different way. The English Standard Version says, These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Or the New Living Translation, kind of a paraphrase. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. This isn't from the Bible, but it's from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible commenting on Colossians 2.23. It says, without grace, asceticism cannot restrain the selfish urges of our fallen nature. This is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And St. Paul in Galatians says to the Galatians, these are brand new Catholics, he says, you began in the spirit. Now, why are you turning to the flesh? I mean, in other words, if you began in the spirit, live your Christian life in the spirit. You're not gonna get the fruits of the spirit, which come from God by yourself. You're gonna get the very opposite. And so I would suggest between now and our next episode, put John 15:5 on your mirror, the back of your phone, your dashboard, or whatever. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. With him, hey, our lives can be transformed. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 472 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.